This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And good morning, Charlie, and good morning, one and all. And I'm just dancing. It's a gorgeous day. <laughs> yeah, this part of it, it is. And I'm, <laughs> this part uh, of this. Well, they're, they're saying there might be a rain <laughs> moving in. But whatever. Little rain is good for the yeah, garden. Yeah, of course. Uh, and, that's, and that's why we're here, <laughs> that's right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, a little helping hand in the garden, that's what Charlie does. And uh, we often get calls from listeners with great tips. Mm-hmm. So take these phone numbers and apply them as you will. Uh, and in uh, Toronto, here's the number to call and reach Charlie Dobbin, 416-360-0740. And uh, in, uh, let's see, oh, uh, uh, remote areas. Outside I, I Toronto. Say outside Toronto, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. one 866 <laughs> My mind is so discombobulated. No, you're all over the well, place here. I, it's such a weekend that the Raptors have just taken my brain and really, and you're not like, even a, a ba- it, basketball fan. Well, at five foot four, what chance did I have? You know, <laughs> but no, it's it's absolutely true that everybody has just gone completely gaga over the, over the team, and it's marvelous. I it's know. great for the city. It's it's just, oh, it's just great in general. Yeah, yeah, um, yes. It's funny. My son, who's been a, a armchair general manager of the Raptors for many years <laughs> because he played a lot of basketball in his youth. He, he was, you know, all just a gaga at this, yeah. what was happening. And of course, making it to the finals and then winning that game. And his eyes are like popping out of his head. <laughs> but then he's yesterday, last night, he's saying to me, like, I was trying to go to bed and he's saying to me, so I'm really worried about Kawhi. Like, <laughs> what if he doesn't sign with us? Oh. And what would that mean? And he's going off. And I'm like, would you stop worrying about it? Live in the moment. He's going, I can't live in the moment. I'm so worried about the future. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, go talk to Masai. Leave me out of this. Yeah, yeah. I want to live in the moment. I'm just going to enjoy the, you enjoy bet. the ride. And all the very best. Go Raptors go. Absolutely. All righty. What, what have you got going on? Uh, uh, all several kinds things, of huh? stuff. You know yeah. it. Uh, today, the Berry Garden Club is holding their annual plant sale. That's from 9 a.m. until noon. Meet in the parking lot of East Bayfield Community Center. That's on Livingston Street. Cash sales only. Today as well, the St. Paul's Anglican Church is having a big, big fundraiser. They call it the Plant Sale Extravaganza. It's from 8 o'clock this morning until 2 p.m., corner of Young and Maple View in Barrie. Huge selection of perennial plants, home and garden-related vendors, upscale garage sale, barbecue, bake table, all kinds of stuff. So that's that's a fun one if you can get to that one. This weekend, if you're in the Burlington area, there's lots going on at the Royal Botanical Gardens. Celebrate the season because the lilacs are in bloom. And of course, the lilac dell at Royal Botanical Gardens mm-hmm. is famous, internationally famous, worldwide, because they, they were, I don't know if they still are, but they did have the largest collection of lilacs anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so such a lovely place to visit at this time of year. On a nice day, take a picnic because it's all, you know, it's just really nicely laid out. You can easily relax 
have a, have, you know, sit in the grass, have some, uh, have some food. Of course, as well going on, they've got a bunch of programming. There's the history of Henry Park heritage walk. There's tours. There is also a program called mindfulness while, while walking. There's the budding artist, the introduction to canoeing of all kinds of stuff and a free back to nature hike. Uh, this Tuesday, June 4th, 7.30 p.m., the Richmond Hill Garden and Hort Society will be meeting at the McConaughey Senior Center, which is 10100 Young Street. The guest speaker is Jim Lounsbury on the subject of the art of pruning. Now, this is a must-go-to event. Mm-hmm. I don't know any hobby gardener who's comfortable with their pruning technique and their confidence of when and what and where to prune. Jim Lounsbury is brilliant. He knows all you need to know, and he's going to be sharing all his knowledge. Wow. This Sounds is good. Because remember, late spring is a great time for a refresher on seasonal pruning techniques, including the idea of plants that benefit from pruning now, reasons for pruning, and selection of the right tools for a variety of pruning jobs. So Jim will be sharing all that, and um, they are also hosting a flower show, Iris, Rose, and Peony, so that'll smell amazing. So if you can get to the Richmond Hill Hort Society, that's this Tuesday evening at 7 30 p.m. Uh, one more next weekend, Saturday, June 8th, all day, 10 to 4. There's a fun day going on. It's called the Neighbor Link, um, sorry, Neighbor, yeah, Neighbor Link North York. So it, this is, um, a garden tour. It's an afternoon tea. It is a fundraiser. After 25 years of serving the community, rain or shine, garden tour starts at the Gibson House Museum. Nine private gardens in Willowdale are included. It ends with afternoon tea at the John McKenzie House. So other activities, children's stuff. Get your tickets online. You can go to Snapped. You can go to Eventbrite. Or you can go to www.neighborlink.org. Hello, Spring. Okay. Um, the Raptors stole my mind. and <laughs> I I, So I just dropped the ball and forgot our little mantra. Oh, that's okay. Call early, call often. One question per call. And uh, if you happen to be a first-time caller, yeah, let Sebastian right. know because... We love first-time yeah. callers. You'll get that little uh, wings. wings, get your garden wings before you get to the air. And matter of fact, uh, we have four callers lined up already, and two of them are first-time callers. Excellent. So we'll get to all of that and more here on The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, let's uh, jog off to Georgetown, what do you say, and say hi and good morning to Sharon. Hi, Sharon, welcome to the show. Good morning. How's everyone this morning? Excellent. How are you? Good. Um, I am just going out to buy some fertilizer for my um, plants. I have both perennials and annuals in the garden, Mm -hmm. and I wonder what you would suggest, either the shake like the little pellets or a liquid fertilizer. Uh, Either. It's more a question of lifestyle. Some people love mixing up a, a water-soluble fertilizer into the watering can and then, you know, put it on once a month on the calendar, go and watering the plants with the fertilized water by hand out of the watering can. Other people prefer, like you're saying, the little shake out of the, the pellets. Typically, that there's, there's something out there I think called shake and feed, for example. Mm-hmm. You right. follow the instructions on that in terms of the quantity of pellets you put out on the ground. Uh, like they kind of give you a, uh, whatever, certain amount of uh, volume per square mm-hmm. meter. So you kind of figure that out, shake it all out there, and then you're done. You don't fertilize again for 
for the rest of the season. So it's a one-stop shop, done, never have to think about fertilizing. I personally love that. I personally love fertilizing once and then forgetting about it. But then other people like that, mixing it up and, and being out there feeding each plant, really talking to the plants, you know, getting into the, the, the whole spirit of this plant and, and walking the garden that way. So really up to you, but do choose something that is for flowering plants, I would suggest. Okay, the middle number, like mm-hmm. you said that the middle number has to be for flowering plants. Typically, yes. I mean, <clears throat> my favorite all-time formulation for flowering plants was 15-30-15. So from mm-hmm. a ratio perspective, it's a 1-2-1 ratio when you do the 15-30-15. However, I don't think you'll find that formula out there anymore. It tends to be other sort of formulations, but it is usually a little higher number in the middle. So and that's the phosphorus. Is it not usually noted that it is for flowering yeah. plants? Yeah, so yeah a lot. You know, cedar safe. feeder is for cedars. You mm-hmm. know, lawn food is for lawns, but flowering plant food. Food could be for any of your vegetables, right. any of your flowering annuals, perennials, even flowering trees. Okay, I use ProMix, and it says that fertilizing, that you don't have to do anything between, like, some of it's three months and nine months and that. But I would think that you would have to do something besides just that, right? Okay, but the, like when you're, your ProMix is in your containers, you mean? Yeah, like you know the, the bag yep. of uh, Pro Mix, and I usually mix it in with the uh, with uh, when I'm planting in that. And it says about oh, yeah. you should, don't need to fertilize for three months or something mm. like that. Well, I would look pretty closely at that. Um, you're right. <clears throat> so Pro Mix is an example of a of a container soil or a soilless mix that we always use. You know for potting when we're make, making containers, so obviously you can use it in the garden as well. Because all the ingredients in that bag on their own have no fertility whatsoever, so completely inert, sterile uh, products that are in the bag, mm-hmm. they add fertilizer to it. And it used to be they would call it a nutrient charge. So it was a very, very tiny bit of fertilizer just to get the plant started. And then it was up to you to keep fertilizing through the season. So read carefully what it says. If it does say, you know, no need to fertilize for the entire season, growing season, then, then you're right. In a container, you're good to go. If you're mixing that in the garden, I would still add more, more fertilizer as the growing season progresses. I thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thanks, Sharon. And, Bye-bye. 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 Have a good day. Good weekend. And uh, Fertilizers can be so frustrating. Yeah. It's like like the manufacturers want you to have a huge shelf in your garage. <laughs> of course. So tomato One food, for this clematis and, uh, yeah, food, exactly. you know, all those different yep. foods. So be aware, exactly. Flowering plants. Like what, when we grow a tomato, what are we growing it for? Yeah. We're growing it for flowers because from the flowers we get the fruit. So you can use your flowering plant fertilizer on your tomatoes. Right. Okay. Uh, from the... Uh, manufacturer standpoint <laughs> it's uh, how do i grow my profits that's <laughs> right yeah that's right. well hey uh, gotta get the bell out there caller. evelyn Welcome. in toronto first time caller good morning hi evelyn oh good morning charlie good morning oh i need your help with my peach tree okie doke some of the leaves are curling up mm-hmm. and when the fruit does appear you know when it's time to reap the fruit, uh-huh. there's, it's no. never good. It's they good. always have a, a hard core in the in the peach, in the fruit. Uh-huh. I wonder what kind of spray I should use to spray the fruit tree with. Okay, so have you had this happen before on your peach tree? Oh, yeah. The first year I bought it, it was good. The second year, not too bad, but... All, the, the rest of the years, this thing has been happening all the time. 
So it's been a number of years this has been going on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you should have called me years ago. <laughs> I know. I always wanted to call you, but I'm a bit, bit nervous. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a very, very common syndrome that you've got happening there. And if you wanted to look it up either on the web or in a book uh, or, you know, any kind of a plant book from the library, it's called Peach Leaf Curl. Very yeah. common. It's, mm-hmm. the, it's the new tips. Uh, so the newest growth, and it happens this time of year and of course with all the rain we've been having having it's happening probably in a big way so all that curling you'll even get some red red color to those leaves yes yes and that's what happens yeah, yeah and it's a the plant is very unhappy because of course it's not maximizing the sun it's mm. not but photosynthesizing it's yeah, um, but I'm just saying, like, those flat yeah. green leaves are able to mm-hmm. be like little solar panels, whereas when you've got curled leaves that are not even green, mm-hmm. you don't have that photosynthesis happening. So it does weaken the plant, the, the peach tree, over the time. Mm-hmm. It won't kill it the first year, but it does weaken it. So what are you going to do differently? In the fall, you could buy it now, but you can't use it now, but go to your local um, garden, uh, garden center and pick up something called dormant spray. Oh, I did that already. Oh, so I spray. I always spray the dormant spray, and then really? I put a fruit fruit spray on it. But then I never get any good fruit. They always have this um, hardness hardness inside, mm. and outside there's always something like um, glue glue oh. stuck on the fruit. Uh, yeah. Uh, sure, because you've probably got some insect infestation going on there. But I'm surprised if you're using the dormant spray. You're using the dormant spray as per directions, mixing yes, up yes, the lime sulfur. The, before the blossoms came out. Okay, when the plant was dormant. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so I would recommend you use that same dormant spray again in the fall. So oh, in the fall. Yep, as we get sort of to the end of September, early October, spray mm-hmm. just at just the way you did in the spring with the dormant spray. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to annihilate the fungus that's causing fungus, yeah. the peach leaf curl for mm. next spring. This, so what can I do for the summer? Not much. You can, uh, if you read on the, the dormant spray kit, you can use the lime sulfur alone. You don't use the oil, but you can use the um, the lime sulfur through the growing season as per instructions, uh, mixing with water, of course, and never spraying when, they're, when the plant is flowering, which I mad- imagine it's doing now, right? The flowers are all gone now. They yeah. are gone. Okay. So so look closely at the what you've got. There mm-hmm. back in the day there used to be all kinds of insecticides and fungicides for fruit trees. Nowadays if we don't use those, it's all about tender loving care. So fertilize the tree, make sure it's pruned properly and work with what you've got, which at this point is lime sulfur for the season, but use the dormant spray in the fall. All right? Okay, thank you thank very you much, Evelyn. Good call. luck with that. Uh, do, what, do you like this picture yeah. I put up on the, oh, the screen? Yeah, That's yeah. what it looks like. Ooh, That's ugly. peach leaf girl. Right. It's really ugly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we uh, wave bye-bye to Evelyn there, uh, leaves the line open, uh, or maybe two by now. Anyway, uh, in Toronto, call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free at one 740 Four seven forty, and we're up to our first little break here. So we'll do that and come back and say hi to uh, Alice in Mount Hope, waiting on the line here for the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, now we're set to uh, have Alice join us here on the show from Mount Hope. Good morning, Alice. Good morning. Morning. 
Um, I have a question. I have a roll of uh, evergreens, mm-hmm. and a couple of years ago, we trimmed all the bottom branches. Um, now, there's all these roots um, on the surface of the, the ground. Mm-hmm. If I cut them, am I going to kill the trees? You might. Uh, are, oh. Is it like a cedar hedge, or is it a bunch no. of spruces? It's spruce. They're spruce oh, trees. okay. And they're probably... I don't know, 15 to 20 feet tall. They've been there quite a while. Mm. But it's just that all these um, roots have come onto the grass. Mm -hmm. And I was going to cut them, trim them, and I'm thinking, oh, I might kill the trees. Yeah, well, those roots are there for a reason. They Number one, they're... um, helping the plants be stable. Uh, think of some of the big winds we've had in these past few summers, particularly in my neighborhood. Two very large 40-year-old spruces fell over in one of those windstorms last uh, July. Okay. Uh, so be aware that the, the roots are there for a reason in terms of stability and, and keeping the plants uh, upright. Um, when we have roots in, on the surface, and of course it's never a good thing because we end up tripping on them and the lawnmower ends up hitting them and it just, it makes the whole lawn and the garden quite, you know, unattractive. Yeah, it's not attractive. It's not nice to walk on or any of that stuff. The reason that happens is because the plant, the, the tree is growing roots so high on the surface like that because of superficial watering. Okay. So when we put a sprinkler out and we water our lawn and we you know, penetrate about an inch down into the lawn, the trees in the area respond and grow a bunch of roots in that top inch to maximize their access to that water. So around our trees, it's super important that we water deeply, always, just from when they're young till they're old. Encourage deep roots and avoid that superficial rooting. Once it happens, there's not much you can do. I wouldn't remove them. I would, though, consider slowly, if you can, raising the grade a tiny bit. So slowly as in kind of a half an inch at a time, spring and fall, adding that half inch of, of lawn soil or triple mix or any kind of a soil Cover mix. Cover roots up. Yeah, mm-hmm. onto the lawn and okay. slowly but surely raise that grade. Now, you, you don't sort of add a foot overnight, so it's a process. And remember as well, if you are doing any watering or if you have an irrigation system, ensure that it's a, it's a good deep watering that's taking place, not superficial ones. Okay. 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 That's my best. Good luck with that, Alice. Yeah. Thank thank you for uh, joining us here on a Saturday morning. Um, Just before we get to our next caller, you have an email you wanted to deal with, right? Well, yeah, it's actually on the same kind of subject as what we were just having that it's about trees, right? Mm -hmm. So this is uh, one of the listeners, Sally Stanley, who's written in. She sent in some photographs and she's quite sad because her beautiful Japanese maple, it's an Anabi Shidari Japanese maple, is not showing robust growth this year. And she's wondering why. So she lives in Innisfil on the waterfront of Lake Simcoe uh, near the Innisfil Beach Park. So it is uh, edge of its hardiness. So we, And this winter was not, a, it was a... A hard winter mm-hmm. on a lot of the plants because we had some extreme cold and then we'd have, you know, ice and, yeah. and wind, lots of wind. So depending exactly on how much <clears throat> coldness this plant was, um, uh, you know, uh, exposed to over the winter, there, we always typically have some dieback, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, in our Japanese maples. So this little tree, of course, she says, has been very much um, planted close to the house. It's not getting a lot of wind off the lake. It does face south, gets watered from the irrigation system. Fifth year had, a, you know, it's been a beautiful plant. But for some reason this spring, 
not leafing out a lot. She's seeing buds, but she's not seeing leaves all over the whole plant. And Japanese maples are kind of famous for doing this. So if anybody's experiencing this or on any deciduous plant right now, a plant that should be in leaf is not, get out there, look for all, anything that's dead, remove it right away. And today's a perfect day until Mm. it starts raining. (laughs) Always prune when it's dry. So get out the dead. Then look closely at the plant. You're seeing that it's alive, but those buds are still dormant. There is something called delayed dormancy where the plant just keeps like looking over its shoulder going, hold (laughs) on. Exactly. I don't trust this. I know (laughs) they tell me it's June, but it doesn't feel like June. So I'm going to just wait a while. So you have to force that plant out of dormancy. And the way you're going to do that is by pruning the tips. So you're going to get out your sharp pruners. You're going to take off anywhere from an inch to, you know, more inches if you need to off every branch. And the buds that are left behind should now pop open Ah. because you're forcing them open because you're saying, wake up, it's time to get growing. And, uh, and that's your best way of forcing plants out of dormancy. Of course, remember spring is when we fertilize. So look after these plants, mm-hmm. feed them, make sure they're getting good compost around the base. Japanese maples love a, a cool, moist area, but not a wet spot. So, um, and a Southern location could be great unless it's just too much sun because they like, you know, half day sun and protection from the wind. So Sally, it sounds like you've done a lot of the right things. Just get out there and do that pruning and talk to this plant. Say it's time to wake up. It Come is, on. It's now <laughs> <Yeah>. June. <laughs> it really You're is. late for work. <laughs> okay. Good stuff. Thank you for doing that. Um, hey, uh, reaching for the bell, Franklin. It is one more time. Mm-hmm. Nice. This is for uh, Diane in New Hamburg. First time caller. Good morning, Diane. Good morning. Good morning. Is the sun shining there? It is. Well, actually, yeah, it is. <laughs> yep. It is. It is here, too. Nice. Fine. Uh, I have a rhubarb patch, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, if it's gone to seed, there's shoots coming up. Yeah. Wondering whether you t- cut them off or do you uh, pull them out at the bottom? Who the leaves? No, the the stalk, the seed. Oh, so you don't? Well, you can just cut it off. Like, don't pull it. I would remove it by cutting it. But, okay. Because uh, you you don't want it to go to seed, obviously. I mean, you right. can. No, okay. no, I don't. You don't. Okay. Should it? Should it? Uh, uh, if you're still harvesting it, then no, you don't want it to go to seed. You want just leaves. You want to encourage leaves. Don't let flowers happen. That's but right. but if it's just going to go into the rest of the summer being a plant, nothing wrong with letting it flower. It's it shouldn't be seeding in the sense that little seedlings are going to come up from it. So no. so it's just uh, I always think it takes the nourishment out of the rest of the rhubarb that I want to still pull. That's exactly right. So, yes, if you are still harvesting, then totally don't let it go to flower. Okay. okay. So cut it off? Cut it off, yep. Okay. Okay. And it still keeps coming. I don't yeah. know why, if it's been all the rain or what's going on. I but. know. It's an interesting spring. It, you know, it's cool. Many of mm. the, like rhubarb likes it cool. It's star- it's starting to chew to flower because it's starting to respond to warmer weather. But, um, yeah, they'll just keep on cranking out leaves if it stays cool and wet. Why not? Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Diane. Very welcome. You've got it. Um, Let's see. Oh, hey, we're heading international Mm, across the across the uh, border here to Buffalo. Hey, that's for Joe. First time caller. Good morning, Joe. Welcome, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. I have uh, I have two little fig trees, and I'd like to make a four cubic foot little greenhouse for them. And I wonder how they how it basically works. How does it keep the uh, Let's say the below zero uh, Fahrenheit temperatures mm-hmm. from freezing the 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 pot that it's in. Do I have to put a little heat tape around them, or 
How does it keep the cold out like that? Well, not cold. necessarily. But by by building a shelter, like you're saying, very small by the sounds of it, you know, four square feet is only like a two by two shelter. Depending on where you locate something like that, if it's close to your house or even off the house, you would have a certain amount of um, shared heat for just from being close to the house. Out of the wind, obviously, again, it's not going to be as cold. And what you would make something like that out of. If it's just a really thin plastic, then all it's really doing is acting as a windbreak. It wouldn't be truly keeping the plants, the, the fig trees, warm enough. Um, he, here I do see quite a few uh, people overwintering figs in in greenhouses where it, it, even when we have no heat, we call it a cold frame. So it's it's just literally a shelter, keeps the plants dormant, but not warm enough, I would say. It really just kind of depends what the winter temperatures are. So, yeah, you'd have to really kind of look at what your options are. Yes, you can simply put some kind of heat. You can also put insulation around the pot. Expect the plants to go dormant, drop leaves, etc. but you want them to stay alive. So you want those roots to stay alive. I mean, I know people that dig up their figs and then tilt them down and bury them under the ground for the winter and then lift them up in the spring. Uh, I know people that bring them into their house into a, just put it in an unheated room or unheated garage for the winter. So it's just keeping them above that freezing point, around the freezing point, but not below. That's okay. your challenge. <laughs> thank you very, thank you very much. You're All right, very thank, you. Okay. thank you for joining us, Joe. Right. Have a terrific weekend, and we appreciate your patronage here. Yeah, on the we Garden love Show. having first-time yeah. callers. Don't be yeah. a stranger. Gosh. Coffee's always on. We've got another uh, first-time caller coming up in just a couple, but wow. just jumping into the head of the line here, Sonia from Beamsville, uh, with us now. Good morning, Sonia. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning Charlie and Frank. Um, I called a while ago, um, you had a citrus specialist on, mm-hmm. and I was talking with you about my Mayer lemon tree, Right. and when I brought it in, um, all, the, all the leaves dropped, and she said not to worry about it, mm-hmm. hers did the same thing. Mm-hmm. So about um, maybe five weeks ago, it started blooming, and it was just absolutely covered in blooms. Good. And when the, when the weather turned nicer, I took it out on the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing, a lot of those blossoms have dropped. Mm-hmm. There is still some blossoms, and there is a lemon tree, uh, a lemon um, <laughs> fruit yeah. that is the same size as last fall when I brought it in. So, I mean, it, it didn't shrivel up, it didn't drop off or anything, huh. and it seems to be starting to grow a little bit. Okay. But I still have no leaves, and I, I was just listening to one of your callers. Mm-hmm. You were saying to prune it back. It needs to be shocked out of dormancy like yeah it, what do i do with this lemon tree uh, so it was in your house all winter all winter and it was yeah. was it in a really cool like root cellar kind of place no or? no it was in the, off the kitchen right uh, by a sliding door so it's lots of light and it never leafed out no and it hasn't leafed out and i did yesterday there was some um, uh, just a few little branches that had were totally brown and i pruned mm, them off idea, yeah. and i can see that you know like it's it's green the plant is green mm-hmm. and it's well the fact that it formed hardy. flowers it's definitely alive yeah <laughs> yeah huh uh you know what i'd pro- i would use the same technique i would do that wake it up 
shock it into into if you know it's got enough energy to put out flowers it certainly has enough energy to put out leaves and it should put out leaves and take advantage of all the sunshine right so and sounds like so you had it in a sunny spot did you water it much over winter what was kind of well the lady the lady that you had mm. on and i think you did also mention that you know to drop back on watering mm-hmm. a bit over the winter, winter yeah which i did now i haven't transplanted it in about three years would would that have anything to do with it? Like it's probably Shouldn't. you know root bound. Yeah, probably. I mean, um, we all we, the bet you know it's time to transplant if you look at, under the pot into the you know drainage holes of the pot it's in and you see roots growing out of those drainage holes. Okay. Then yes, I would I would prioritize getting into a bigger pot because this is the time of year to do it. Okay, I haven't seen. Um I haven't checked the bottom, but there is like surface roots showing. Yeah. So, I mean, they are a fairly uh, rooty plant. They do like to put out a lot of roots. It's been about three years, you say. How big is the pot? Um, it's probably so about tra- a... Traditional 10 inch? Nine or 10, ten yeah. inch at the top. At the bottom, it's much smaller. Oh, okay. So, maybe not a bad idea. Get yourself a, a better... Uh, pot. Of course, we don't jump up too much, no. uh, but get a straight-sided. If it's a 10-inch pot now, go to a 12-inch pot, okay. fresh potting soil or soilless mix, um, moistening that in advance, and then do your whole thing outside on a, on a day when it's not going to rain. Lay the plant down, get that old pot off, trim roots. If it's all root-bound, which it could be, right. you may need to do some trimming. Uh, you know, Get things sort of opened up so those roots aren't just going to spiral around and get it into a nice fresh pot, fresh soil, stand it up, water thoroughly and at that point you could do some tip pruning and wake it up at the same time and so even though it's got some blossoms on it's okay to transplant yeah yeah absolutely keep keep in touch with us let Let us us know know how how it comes along okay thank you so much Uh, we have to uh, take another little break here which we'll do as uh, you are hopefully enjoying the garden show here on zoomer radio Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, phlox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, uh, we're now headed toward Ancaster. There's Frank ready to join us here on The Garden Show. Good morning, Frank. Hi, Frank. Where'd he get to? Good morning. Hello, Frank. Nope. He was going to ask a nope. question about transplanting spirea, but mm. he doesn't oh, he seem to be there. off the line. Okay. All righty. Uh, then that means that Frankie Proctor re- <laughs> reaches guess. for the bell because we have a uh, first-time caller, Tom, on the line from Innisfield. Good morning, Tom. Uh, good morning. Good morning. I'm calling. Uh, we have a tree here in uh, really bad shape. Uh, not too sure what the make of the tree is, but uh, early spring, the squirrels have ripped the bark mm. off all of the smaller branches around the tree, mm. and uh, the, the the branches are are, are all white. Right. Mm. Hold on, would you please? Yeah. Turn it down. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I listened to one of your calls earlier mm. on. She was talking about some. Uh, lime sulfur or something for a dormant spray. Right. Whether that would uh, do anything or not, I don't know. 
Yeah, what you need to do is you need to uh you need to deter the squirrels from doing that. I mean, I've had situations. So is it a tree or is it a shrub? Like is it a single stem plant or is it a multi-stem? Uh, uh, pardon me again? The plant that's being debarked, is it a single stem like a tree form or is it a multi-stem like a shrub form? Oh, oh. No, no, it's a it's a tree, it's a tree stem. Okay, a branch. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. I mean, w- there are trees that have shaggy bark, and the squirrels and often the birds will take advantage of that and peel that shaggy bark and take it to use in their nests. So, honeysuckle comes to mind. Honeysuckle is classic for having a real shaggy peeling bark, and many much of the wildlife will peel that back and and take it away for their own purposes. What a- it can be detrimental. So, um, what about plant skid? Yeah, I was going to say there, there's, there are products that are deterrents that will make the, the tree and its bark inedible or not taste good <laughs> or smell bad. Uh, something that I do recommend is a product called plant skid. One word plant S as in Sam. K-Y-D as in dog, D as in dog. So plant skid is a repellent. It will repel deer, rabbits, voles, and all kinds of small critters. It's completely organic. You can use it on edibles, uh, and it will last num- a number of months. So that yeah. if you can get a hold of some of that, which you should be able to get at a, a local garden center, follow the instructions and do spray this tree mm-hmm. with the hope that the Squirrels will leave it alone, and then your job is to look closely, see if there's dead wood that needs to come off the tree, fertilize the tree. It is spring. It's a good time to be feeding all of our plants, assuming this is a tree you want to, you know, it's special. You want to keep it. So do what you can to make life happier for that tree and keep the squirrels away from it is my suggestion. Okay, because I was, I I didn't know whether, because it looks like uh, uh, the, the ends, the, uh, the tree actually right now has no uh, leafage uh, buds or anything on it. Right. And I was wondering mm. if I could have just uh, uh, chainsawed the mm. small branches that are white off it mm. to see if the rest of it would uh, would carry on or not. Right. Well, that certainly, t- like I mentioned earlier, for uh, s- some people that uh, and for, to the email where the Japanese maple was still asleep. So we don't know. Or I don't know. Your tree could be dead. Or it could be that it, again, it's just delayed dormancy. It's not happy having lost a bunch of bark. So there is dead wood on the tree, but it may still have life in the root. So tip pruning is always a good idea to try and wake plants up. Okay. Okay. That's fine. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you for calling in. Alrighty. Um, we're going to take a little bit of a break here because we've got folks lined up, ready to go with more questions and maybe some uh, tips too. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Coming up next here on the Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Oh, it's always great to get together with old friends. Werner from <laughs> Tilsonburg. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning, Werner. I just wanted to give you a head up. Okay. I put a patent on that tomato. Really? Really? So you can't advertise it anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> really? You really hey, bad? I'm kidding. You. I was going to say, that's, <laughs> I was going to say, I think you can't do that in Canada. I think that, yeah, that sounds I have, like a, I have an additive. <laughs> Banana peels and eggshells yes. make the best fertilizer for them. You just take the spade, like mm. save the bananas and, and the egg in a, in a jar so the bugs won't get in it and put the 
And when you got enough, you go and you put a slot next to the plant, yeah. any plant. Any plant. Deep enough and drop it in and yeah. cover it up. Yeah, some and people, go ahead, yeah. It's supposed to be really good for the plant. Well, some people t- take their banana peels, like you're saying, instead of keeping in a jar, they just throw them in the fridge, in the freezer, I should say. Just yeah. pile up yeah. those frozen banana peels. And of course, then there's no bugs. And eventually just pull out all your banana peels and thaw them out. And like you said, jam them in the ground. I, I, I do it as I go. Yeah, do you? It's, it's, uh, some people and swear. When you freeze them, they might lose some vitamins. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't, shouldn't though. But some people swear by banana peels. Like every morning, they have a banana yeah. and they go yeah. out to the garden and they take the peel with them and they put it. I, I know a woman who used to put her banana peel every single day at the bottom of a rose. And yeah. of course, yeah. by July, that rose was about 15 feet tall. <laughs> like it was huge. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, when they see me coming, they take the bra off. That's right. <laughs> they do. Exactly. <laughs> so there you go. Thank and shells you. and bananas. Always an interesting call from Werner. <laughs> Thanks, Werner. Hey, guys, I enjoy it. I never miss. Thank ah, you. Thank, Thank you. you. And I promise I won't advertise your, your fancy <laughs> skim milk powder tomato fertilizer ever again. <laughs> from Ancaster, let's welcome in uh, Frank. Good morning, Frank. Welcome to the show. Yes, good morning. Sorry for that uh, last call, which I uh, lost you with. Oh, but anyways, let's get on with this. I'd like to know if I could transplant my spirea in front of my property. It's already bloomed, um, not overly flourishing, but uh, and I want to move it only about two feet forward. Is it still, uh, you know, oh. are we okay with plant transplanting or are we into the, the, into the, the growing season? Well, it's still far? pretty Please. cool out there, but part of what determines... Our ability to transplant is how long a plant has been in its current location. So uh-huh. has it been there for like 10 or 20 years or? Yes. Okay. So that's. Quite some time, but you know, it, it's, it's kind of anemic. It's, it's not getting enough sun. It's, uh, it's sheltered. And the one on the other side of the property just flourishes. Uh, we want to bring this one forward so mm-hmm. it gets an equal amount of exposure. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it is doable. I, obviously you're going to prepare your hole in advance. Uh, uh, I would do some pretty severe cutting back on the, the plant because you are going to be doing roots, root damage and leaving roots behind. Make sure that you uh, do shrink the above ground growth by about a third. Dig the biggest root ball that you can. Keep the soil mm-hmm. around the roots and be mm-hmm. ready uh, once you've moved it into its new location, the new hole, that it's a, a good a good quality. You know, good compost has been added into the soil. Some Peat moss, perhaps? Peat moss, some composted manure is always good. Mm-hmm. So a good fertile mm-hmm. soil will make a difference. Water thoroughly, obviously. And I would use a transplanter fertilizer as uh, part yeah, of this yeah. process. I, I read you loud and clear yeah. now. Um, you said to cut it back, like trim trim it with yep. like my hedge, just hedge it back a bit? Is that well, what you mean? Well, yeah. I mean, it, it kind of depends what kind of spirea it is. You said it's bloomed already. It, Seems it's so. A bright, it's a bright yellowish uh, lime color. Are you sure it's a spirea, not a forsythia? Uh, gosh, you know what? It might be. I no, it doesn't, doesn't bloom. Oh, it doesn't. Oh. No. Oh, sorry. I thought you said it had already bloomed. Um, no, no, no. I, oh, I'm sorry. I used yeah. the wrong term there. Right. It, so the it, leaves it, are now flourishing in, into its growth. You yeah. know, its, its petals are out and that. Yeah. But I, my intention was to do as you were describing: yeah. dig right around it so it's so it's like not 
not if I can say this, aware of it's being moved. A ball will be heavy, yeah. and I go in two feet forward, yeah. back it up. Yeah. Gosh, you know, I don't think I could lose on that. What do you What do you think? I, I agree. I was just, you know, don't. I wouldn't. I guess use hedge trimmers if you need to, but yes, trimming uh, trimming it back is not a bad idea. And many of the spireas do well by just getting a haircut. So, like, a, you know, the whole yeah. thing is given a, I don't, a trim. I, don't, I, I said hedge clippers. I I could use my. Just my shears, my mm-hmm. long, my long bladed shears. That's right. Yeah, give it shape it that way. Yeah. So, just kind of depends what kind of spirea. The the one I don't like giving it that kind of a haircut to is the one called bridal wreath spirea. It gets uh-huh. kind of a waterfall shape and mm-hmm. long white mm-hmm. fronds. Uh, and that one I don't like giving that one haircuts. But generally speaking, spireas are fine. Just giving them a uh, whether it's a, like we're seeing wow. the blades I or the your encouragement. <laughs> give it a try. All right. Well, you let us know how that works out for. I will get back, but it might not be the end of the season. That's fine. <laughs> Even next spring, we'll be here. <laughs> Thanks so much, Frank. Thanks. And golly, do we have time for uh, maybe a quick call? Uh, hmm? We do. I just want to tell you quickly one. Yes. Um, um, Elliot, my my long-suffering partner, I one time I created a garden, planted this beautiful dogwood, loved everything about it, then changed the shape of the garden, made it bigger. And I said to him, okay, I know it's been there for a couple of years, but I need it moved. And he's like, how far do you want to move it? I said, about two inches. <laughs> and he was like, what? Just trust me, it needs to move two inches. So he did. He dug it up and he moved it two inches and put it back in. And it does fine. It was fine. <laughs> but it was just such a tiny move. So don't don't worry, Frank. Go for it. <laughs> okay. Uh, quickly, if we can, do yeah. Jim in Strabane. Good morning, Jim. Morning, Charlie and Frank. Good morning. I called last week about my sedum plants that had grown leggy in the dark, uh-huh. and I did trim them back, and they're doing quite well. Good. Um, so I'm happy about that. What I'm calling about is uh, asparagus in our garden. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had asparagus growing there for maybe over five years, mm-hmm. but the, the stalks coming up are really pretty skinny. Uh-huh. Um. We've put compost on, manure over time, but they just seem to be, you know, really thin. So we're taking them and eating them anyway, but Mm. should I be leaving the... skinnier ones there to grow or you can i mean it's gonna it's all based on the root i mean you're allowing it at the end of the season to grow up and be a fern right oh yes absolutely yeah because yeah, that that's partly where that the roots you know get bigger mm-hmm. and stouter and, and can put up bigger stems in the spring so for your purposes um i mean the skinny ones are the ones that always people tend to want when they're in the oh, grocery they're very stores. <laughs> yeah, they are the most tender as opposed to the real big tree-sized ones. So I wouldn't be overly concerned. And it, it, it is a process. So over the yep. years, you are going to get, you know, coarser, bigger stems in the spring. Um, but for now, enjoy harvesting, but don't harvest at all. Let some of them grow up. Yes, uh, absolutely. For the future. Well, we, we go out. There's a lot of wild asparagus in Ontario, if people don't mm-hmm. know. But anyway, we have a few places around here marked. And some of the stubs coming up there or, you know, just coming out of the ground are as big as your thumb. Yes, wow. yes. Uh-huh. Been there for a long time. Good stuff. Thanks, Jim. We got to go. Uh, yep. Wow. <laughs> Fresh out of racetrack, as they You're say. say. My that. gosh. Okay. <laughs> and so you've got lots going on this afternoon, Yeah, Frank? I'll be back from 1 to 3.30, mm-hmm. and I welcome everybody to join me then. Yeah. You're going to talk more about the Raptors? you got oh, uh, special guests yeah, coming yeah. on or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Frank. Thank you, Sebastian. Thanks to all our great callers. See you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. 
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.